Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming up on today's episode, my brother Tyson stops by to help break down an ugly one against Chicago including another flat performance at a loss, a youngster's struggle, and some questionable hellebuck goals. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewiki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. So I wish I could say that this latest result is a surprise, but I think at this point, Jets Nation is unfortunately expectant and, and maybe a little bit numb too when it comes to flat performances against the NHL's bottom feeders. Another ugly loss for the Jets this time. 3-1 to one at home to lowly Chicago. And to help me break it all down, I figured I needed a little bit of help with this one because it was an ugly one. My brother Tyson Rewicki was kind enough to stop by tonight to break this one down. Tyson, how are you doing today? Thanks for joining me. Uh, well, not too bad after that just pathetic showing from the Jets once again. Let's yeah, well, I mean, I, I guess the positive here is that I finally figured out, you know, there was all this talk about the Winnipeg Jets don't have an identity. Well, I, I found out the identity in this game. And it's either the identity or the new team motto. But it's one step forward, two steps back. I mean, can, can you explain how after a, a semi-decent road trip, getting three or four points in a tough divisional back-to-back, how the Winnipeg Jets come home in what is basically, when you look at their schedule upcoming, the free spot of the bingo card in this desperate chase to grab a wild card spot. How how an effort like that happens, and we can talk about you know bounces and things like that here and there. But for the most part, they didn't look a whole lot better than Chicago. And you could maybe even make the case that the Blackhawks outplayed the Jets at home on the night. Yeah, I am honestly at a loss for words after watching that that game. Like, there's so many times throughout the game where. It, you just look at the team and like, where's where's that extra juice? You know, it's just like a, a team that's always flat. Uh, there's so many times too throughout the game where you're just like, this is a group that just seems like they've lost all accountability in that locker room. There's sloppy line changes. There's guys missing their assignments in the D zone. Just kind of lazy dumping plays, lazy line changes. It's kind of just getting out of control with the Jets right now. And I don't really know where you go from here other than selling off whatever assets 
other other rentals you have like Andrew Cobb and Paul Stasny. But I mean, the Jets are in a really tough spot right now. And like you said, their schedule in the next six does not get any easier. You got one game against the crack and that's kind of your gimme. But the way that well, it's yeah. been lately, <laughs> but then you've got Minnesota, Calgary, Edmonton, Dallas, Colorado, the Jets, you're really looking to need to go four and two in that six. And that's a really tall ask right now. Yeah, I don't think I don't think there's any free games on the uh, on the bingo card anymore. And the Kraken game might be kind of terrifying coming up because if they play they did against Chicago, they're not going to beat Seattle, even though Seattle doesn't beat a whole lot of teams these days. I mean, I, I think you kind of nailed it there. Like, was was it not uninspiring the effort from the team? Totally. And, and there was no energy at all the entire game. Like, there was no. I mean, outside of. Again, you know, we, and we'll get into, you know, the lack of scoring in certain parts of the lineup. But, you know, give Adam Lowry a bit of credit in the fact that at least he's the only one trying to do something physically on the team. Oh. He had a, a big head sending somebody into the Jets bench and then a couple other plays as well. But other than that, just not a lot really happens out there, right? Like it's well, just... and, and even like you mentioned on that Lowry hit, like he destroyed him and the whole arena was just dead. It was like nothing even happened. And you you go listen to a Colorado game, and anytime there's a hit throw, the whole arena just erupts. And so you kind of, when your product on the ice is just lackluster, the fans aren't going to respond either. And now you just got this angry fan base watching a pathetic hockey team right now. Yeah, I, yeah I'm not blaming the fans whatsoever because there wasn't oh, no. really anything to cheer about the entire game outside of a brief lucky bounce on Mark Scheifele's goal. But it's just really i don't i don't know if frustrating even does it enough justice tyson it's beyond concerning that the jets not only lose to some of the worst teams of the nhl but they don't even show up right like i i mean they barely beat the coyotes they barely grabbed two out of four points against the coyotes this season i mean maybe their worst game of the year happened against buffalo when the sabers came in and, and basically skated them out of the building I mean, you go down the list of the worst teams in the NHL and, and the Jets fail to even be competitive against them for, for most of these games. And, and this is not just a 2022 thing. This has been an issue ongoing for a couple of years now. And, and I, I don't know what I don't know what the reason is behind it, but it's hard not to watch that game against Chicago and think to yourself, you know, you can't blame the coach, the previous coach anymore because he's no longer there. And while the coaching change was done, you know, in part to kind of give a spark to the team and, you know, reset what had been a lackluster season, it looks like it's popped the air out of the balloon. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know what the relationship is between the players and Dave Lowry, but it just doesn't look like a very motivated, passionate group out there. So for the people here in Winnipeg that are hoping for a miracle playoff push, you know, another major blow to that. I, I just don't know how you can expect this team to, sure, they'll win a couple games against some of the better teams in the league, but how are they going to ever string together seven, eight, nine, ten solid games in a row and put together a streak like that of points necessary to get anywhere close to a realistic wildcard spot? Right, and it boils down to, now, now that Paul Maurice is gone, who does the blame really fall on, right? Does it go on to Chevy? I mean, he's been the guy that's he's been the GM the past 10 years. And I mean, you could make the argument that he's brought in a lot of great young prospects. But you look over the past 10 years and they've only gotten out of the second round once. 
And for a team that was dubbed to be the, what was it, the 2016-2017 NHL champ, future NHL champs? Oh, God. It yeah. just kind of seems like that's that's just a pipe dream now in the, in the next five years. So do you look at the roster and think, hey, maybe our leadership group needs to change? Or do we need a new face in the organization to kind of build a new identity with the team? I, don't, I just feel like it's kind of in a limbo that it's almost a lose-lose at this point. Yeah, you could make a case certainly for, for Chevy – for the players on the ice now to be the ones that should be held most accountable right now. I do think the one thing, and you can go back and forth on those two spots, but I do think the one for sure in all this is it's very apparent the Winnipeg Jets made a big mistake not bringing in an interim coach outside the organization because yeah. it just kind of looks like the same team outside of the penalty kill, which has actually been improved. But in every other area of the squad, it's it's really the same old Paul Maurice Winnipeg Jets still. You know, having a fresh voice come in might have changed. It might not, but it might have changed it. And maybe at least you get a um, a realistic, updated look at who's going to help the team and who's going to hurt the team moving forward. But we'll push aside the macro stuff here. We'll go a little bit micro into the game itself, actually. I mean, the first period, in what was a bad game, the first period was the worst part of the game. Not really a whole lot stood out to me or, or happened of much note in the first 20 minutes. But in the second period, you know, the Jets weren't playing great, but they still had the game under control. But it was the 60 seconds or so before Chicago's first goal where the Hawks got a little bit of pressure. You know, you kind of felt the tide starting to shift a little bit. And then, Unfortunately, everybody's, you know, favorite future superstar, Cole Perfetti, had himself a bit of a rough one. And then Patrick Kane picks up the puck on a nice rush play on the counter. And before you know it, it's one nothing Chicago in a game that the Jets, you know, it seemed like they should still have under control. And then the wheels kind of fell off moving forward into the second half of the game. But what did you see on the, the first goal against Tice? Well, I think it's like you said, I mean, I mean, Patrick Kane's one of the best players in the NHL. He's all right. <laughs> But that first goal, I mean, you do kind of want to save. Like Perfetti, you, Perfetti had a bit of a rough shift there, but that's a that's a goal that Hellebuck should stop. And I think, you know, definitely gonna change things up. But like you said, after they scored, things just kind of start to snowball. And it's every shift, it's someone turns it over the next shift. Then after that, we have an unforced icing, and then after that, it's a penalty. And then it just feels like whenever something can go wrong for the Jets on the next shift. It does after, after a goal. And it just seems like a team that lacks confidence that when things get bad, that they're not going to be able to battle out of it. And I mean, there was the game last yet last game against Dallas where they came back, but I just, this team just doesn't feel like a team almost. Like a collection of individuals instead of yeah. a team, right? Yeah. The, I mean, the turnovers were atrocious. I, that was I mean, we know the Jets have struggled inside their own zone. I, I mean, it's not, you know, brand new knowledge to anybody watching. But holy crap, like it's it's Chicago. Like You shouldn't be hemmed into your own zone trying to make a pass or two to get out by, by a team that's been one of the worst in terms of generating turnovers in the NHL all season long. Like it, it was just and, – and it kind of just came out of nowhere too. Like you said, it wasn't, wasn't a major, major issue in the first period, but that happened. And it's, you know, kind of also follows a continuing theme with the Jets. Anytime a team with any, like, any semblance of speed on the forecheck, anytime they play the Jets, 
they can't move the puck whatsoever. They just, they just struggle so mightily against teams with speed. And you saw once the pressure started to happen there, it was turnover after turnover after turnover. And, you know, while, you know, in a slightly different way, you know, Cole Perfetti turns it over on a play he, he probably didn't have to try to make. I, I appreciate the, the creativity and the attempt on it, but either you chip it into space for Dubois and he chases it down, but trying to lob pass there, you know, in the middle of a change as well, that was kind of a recipe for disaster. And then you, you top it off with a bit of a soft back check. I mean, maybe he picked it up from some members of the Jets, but you top it off with a soft back check like that. And I mean, Patrick Kane has way too much time and space to make a play on Helly there. And I think you're right. You, you probably would want to stop there, but that entire play ultimately doesn't happen if Cole Perfetti makes just a bit of a, a smarter play with the puck. And it would ended up being a, a pretty rough game, maybe his worst game of the season, actually. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. And, one, and just one other thing I, I wanted to point out was you, how you mentioned Lowry's line. They're the only line that was trying to create something. Those other two top lines, for the most part, besides that power play, everything was coming from the outside. The Blackhawks actually did a really good job of kind of covering that middle of the ice. But, you know, like you have Wheeler and Shifley kind of just floating around the outside. And I mean, on Shifley goal, it ends up pay, paying off on a fluke bounce. But, you know, it, you don't want to see your leaders on the team, the guys that are supposed to be a good matchup against this team, because Chicago, they're not a good defensive team. And I just, I just think that this should have been a very winnable game. And your top two lines really don't produce anything. And your third line is trying to pick up all the slack and... You know, they've always had problems scoring goals this season. So, you know, it's just just a lackluster and frustrating all-around effort from the Jets. And and honestly, the one one player that I really, really, this game made me just super worried about was Vinny Pinola. I mean, my gosh. <laughs> For a guy that's supposed to be taking a major step this year, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen a D-man get caught on that many pinches in a game in my life. <laughs> I I don't know what he's doing, especially I mean, like kind of jumping ahead, but on that right at the end there, on that on that last rush, where was everyone? How does how does Patrick Kane end up with no one within fifty feet of him at the at your blue line? It just yeah, the, it just boggles my mind for for a team that's down. Yeah, no, the broadcast mentioned it too. Just like, hey, I know you're down here, but. You can't you can't just send all five guys forward. Like you have to have somebody back a little bit there. I mean, he's just been he's there, there's not a whole lot of selection when it comes to pinching with with Philly Hanel. I I think. I mean, it's I love aggressive hockey. I'm I'm always down for it, but there needs to be a a, a little bit of a, a bird in the back of your head saying, "Hey, make sure there's somebody behind you." Like, do you have somebody covering for you if you're going to make the move up there? And I mean, players shouldn't have a breakaway from the red line in, especially with a couple of minutes to go in, and, and really no play was to be made there. I, I agree. I think, you know, Hanel has been pretty good. He's he, You can see him improving over the past few games out of the All-Star break and, you know, maybe not playing with Neil Pionk in this one. You know, maybe that set him back a little bit. I, I, I don't know. But to me, it was a bit of a reversion to the player that we saw struggle earlier this season. And in brief moments last season as well, it definitely wasn't uh, his his best game. That that's for sure. I mean, we can uh, we can talk about his long term future another time. But yeah, you're going to need a, a better performance out of out of both top prospects for the Jets in both Hanela and Cole Perfetti. But you know, I want to get back to what you touched on there earlier with the third line. 
And, you know, the fact that in this game, there was essentially no production from the top six. And I, the only thing I'll say is I, I struggled to get on the top six in a game like this or just in any kind of low-scoring game the Jets have because for the most part, they, they generally produce at a, a decently high level. The Shifley line since the All-Star break has been super big for them. The Dubois line has been basically their best line since game one of the season. There's going to be games where they just don't play well, right? Like it happens to all top lines across the NHL. The difference, though, really the main difference with the Winnipeg Jets is the fact that they get absolutely nothing from their bottom six. Like zero. Like almost zero. It, it really is startling if you you haven't taken a look at the numbers just to see how little the Winnipeg Jets get from somebody not in their top two lines. And, I mean, this is a game where they could have used a ton of that. This is a game, I mean, they definitely could have used a Nikolai Ehlers in this game to, oh, yeah. to try to inject some kind of energy and, and creativity into what was a pretty dull 60 minutes. But at some point, you do need legitimate production. And we know Adam Lowry hasn't been that guy this season for the Winnipeg Jets. Basically, any rendition of the fourth line has been a black hole offensively. And, you know, the one guy that's been actually pretty good all year is Evgeny Sveshnikov. And for some reason, he's been relegated to just a handful of minutes a night or the press box. You have a guy who, you know, didn't do very well in the AHL from a production standpoint, and Christian Reichel getting significant minutes on that third line there, yet he's basically given you no offense all season long. This has been, you know, we've gotten on Shifley, we've gotten on the defense and the coaching and a bunch of other things that have gone wrong with the Jets this season. But to me, the bottom six is a major, major issue that needs to be corrected moving forward and heading into the upcoming season. Oh, for sure. And, and especially being in, in a market like Winnipeg, those are the kind of signings and trades that you have to hit on those low kind of low risk low cost moves that really could pay off in the long run like Svechnikov Svechnikov uh, I agree with you I think he should be a regular in that bottom six and I he just provides that little bit of offensive punch that those other guys don't and the same thing looking at you know you kind of look at these last these past two drafts have been really great for the Jets but, you know, you look at a guy like Christian Veselainen and he just hasn't become the guy that they were really hoping that he would be. And that was, a, that, I think that really, really hindered a lot of the Jets' plans. Because I think they were really banking on him being a guy that they could count on for the next, you know, 10 years, kind of fill that that big body p power forward on the left side. And he's just, just disappointed ever since he's come over. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, he was kind of tabbed in training camp to be, you know, the the new Joel Armia, the new Brandon Tanev, basically the new Fitz, the new Mason Appleton on that third line. He's got three points in 40 games. Yeah. Right? Like Christian Reichel, one point in nine games. Lowry, eight points in 46. Harkins, eight points in 46. Toronado, six points in 41. Like this, you, you could have one or two guys on your fourth line that produce like that. You can't have your entire top six on pace for less than 20 points in a season. Like, it's it's insanity. And You look at some of the, at the best teams in the NHL, and they've got guys who are scoring 20 goals on the third line. That's that's becoming common for teams in Colorado. Tampa. Not even the best teams, Tyson. Not even the best teams. <laughs> like, decent, like, solid teams. Like, wildcard teams. Basically, anybody not named the Edmonton Oilers, if you have a winning record, you have a couple of 
productive players on your third line at the very least. And especially since like not not too long ago, everyone was saying how deep this forward group was. And it's it's just surprising and shocking how quickly it's gone from a strength of this team to arguably its biggest weakness now. Yeah. And look, there's no doubt no Nikolai Ehlers is a massive blow. And there's some other injuries and COVID absences and things like that. But hell, look at the Pittsburgh Penguins who, for the first half of the season, didn't have the majority of their lineup in. And you have guys that nobody's ever heard of that. I mean, Evan Rodriguez all of a sudden yeah. is a, the point of game player. But they Pittsburgh has guys up and down their lineup that contribute, right? I mean, Washington for years has done the same thing. You don't even have to necessarily look to the Tampas and the Colorados who are kind of the exception when it comes to the best of the best in the NHL. But just look, I mean, Minnesota, right? Minnesota has four solid lines. It's just every team needs, I'm not even going to say a fourth line that contributes. That If it ever happens, great. But the Winnipeg Jets need a third line that gives you a little bit more offense here. I mean, I thought the Lowry line was good in this game. But, you know, at some point... Throwing a hit here and there and, and playing solidly inside your own zone, that's that's just not good enough. You need a lot more when it comes to generating at the other end of the ice. Now we'll get to the second goal, the ultimate game winner, the backbreaker, and maybe another Hellebuck referendum on should he or shouldn't he be stopped that. I'll look ahead to the Minnesota Wild coming up on the schedule as well, Tyson. But before we do that, we've got to give a shout out to our friends over at DraftKings with the Super Bowl now wrapped up. We're going from the gridiron to the hardcore, right, Tice? Yep, for sure. And DraftKings Sportsbook, they are an official sports betting partner of the NBA. And they've got a brand new deal coming up that it's honestly, it's too good to pass up. You can bet just $1 on any team. I mean, you can go look at whoever the Rockets are playing that night and bet $1 on them. And you get 150 free, 150 free dollars in bets. If they win, it's that simple. Um, now download the free, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN and bet just one dollar on any NBA team and get 150 dollars in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 plus minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for full list of requirements and state specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. A minimum $5 deposit. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Tennessee. Call or text the TN Redline 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888 789 Seven 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 seven, or visit ccpg.org/chat. In New York, call eight seven seven eight Hope NY or text Hope NY. That's four six seven three six nine. A little bit of a mouthful there. Yeah, could you fit in a couple more letters and numbers for <laughs> for for DraftKings? Um, all right, so the second goal. I mean, it looked like the Winnipeg Jets, despite an awful game. You get a lucky bounce, you get to OT, and maybe you find a way to, to grab two points and you get the hell out of there and you, you move on to the next game. But the second goal happens there, and unfortunately, <laughs> you know, maybe the, the best defensive forward this team has makes one of the worst defensive miscues we've seen all season. I mean, what the hell was Andrew Cobb thinking? Carrying the puck up to the ice there and just a total 
grenade thrown to Josh Morrissey. And that allows one of the best goal scorers in the NHL to come in one-on-one and Connor Hellebuck can't make the stop there. But like, I can understand giving up goals. The Perfetti goal, right? Like a turnover there, whatever, stuff like that happens from time to time. But that is the ultimate, ultimate brain fart and quite possibly the worst time in the game for the Winnipeg Jets. And it cost them big time. Yeah, to me, that's like that that play was like the epitome of this season for the Jets so far. The what? The epitome of just it's epitome. What? Yeah, it's a (laughs) well, tomato, tomato, it doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) what? All right, so explain why that was the epitome. Well, you, like you said, Andrew Kopp, one of the Jets' best defensive forwards, makes just a brutal play. And then even the whole game, it seemed like it, the Jets, it seemed like they take beer league changes. There's some guys on the team, and they're skating to the bench, and they're they're peeking over their left shoulder just to see where the play's going. And then they realize they're not close to the bench, and no one's come on the ice. And that ha- that kind of happened right after Kopp turned that over. Shifley's a little, or Shifley's a little late coming off the bench, and he's a little slow. I mean... At the same time, Hanola, the gap was a little, gave a little too much gap to the one of the best snipers in the NHL. But you know, you kind of hope that your center gets back a little harder on the pack check and just harasses him a bit. There's no way Alex Dubrincic should have that much time coming into the zone. And yeah, it's a it's a far out shot, but I think I think it was a little bit of a a screen. Maybe even it tipped off his stick a tiny stick a tiny bit, but. It just seems like everything that's going wrong for the Jets can go wrong because it's normally Hellebuck makes those two saves in that game and then Jets end up winning one nothing off a fluke goal. But this year, just the bounces aren't going their way and their play just isn't doing enough to push push the pace when bounces don't go their way. Yeah, well, I think too. I've said this before, but you know the Winnipeg Jets are finding out that it's a lot harder to win games when you're. Vesna winning goalie isn't playing like a Vesna winning goalie. He's just playing like a, a, a mortal, right? So, I mean, there's that part of it too. Look, it's it's funny you mentioned the bad changes because a lot of people have said that before. I, the one part of me does wonder if when a team is underperforming and they're slumping, <laughs> if if people just like pick up on that more, you know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure the Avs like change slowly a bunch too. It's just that it's after an extended shift in the other team's zone. And, and they have control. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah, I, I was a, it, there was no urgency on that play by anybody whatsoever. I'm not going to let anyone off the hook, but you know, I, I do wonder a little bit there if some of these slow line changes, it, it just happens with other teams too. And, you know, maybe, maybe we just focus on it more because the Winnipeg Jets are losing hockey games, but really, I, and maybe it was a matter of just being shell shocked by, the team not understanding how Andrew Cobb could make that play there, right? Like everything was set up and he was doing it all right, carried over the red line, dump it in. Like it's that simple, yet he tries to to cycle it back for some, for whatever reason. There was no play to be made at all anywhere. And then he fires one at Josh Morrissey's knee base. Like I don't know what he was supposed to do with that puck anyways. And those those demon weren't even like they were – if he dumps it and there's there was a pretty good chance that he gets it that he gets in there first too it wasn't i mean who knows if he goes in if he's going for a change right off, right off that but i mean if you're tired then dump it in and go for a change don't toss it back and go for a change you know it's just 
Yeah, generally, generally you don't lob a grenade at your defenseman and then jump off the. All right, everybody else handle it. Um, I, you know, I would. I don't know if Hanela's gap was necessarily bad on that, like you mentioned. It was more. It was. It was more so like a stick on puck. I was gonna say it was. It was his stick positioning that was that was poor because he's kind of. I mean, he's holding it in his right hand and he's kind of waving it over. Yeah. But for Debrinket, he's like, that's fine. I don't care because you're not coming near my stick with the puck, right? He's He's got it way out to the side instead of bringing it in and, you know, maybe forcing a, a drag or something. I mean, if he if he plays it better with his stick, there's a likelihood that the shot doesn't even end up getting towards Connor Hellebuck. So that was mistake number two, although kind of a tough spot for Hanela to be in there because right. all of a sudden you're ending up with Alex Debrinket coming in on you when you thought you were going for a line change five and seconds plus, earlier. Plus Morrissey's... Morris, he's covering the left side, and just late, and so Hanola's got to make up that that huge gap in the middle because he, I, he was going off there too, and just the like you said, the grenade comes back, right? Right. Going to the jet ski. Now, should he have stopped it, or is that an okay goal to give up? What What would you say if he had to pick one or the other on, on Connor Hellebuck on that one? Well, I mean, I ideally you want him to make that stop. But you you take in the factors leading up to that, and I kind of understand him giving up that goal. I mean, I have to see it again and slow it, like see if there was any deflection on, on that at all. But that's a that's a shot he stops ninety nine times out of a hundred normally. Yeah, so no deflection. Uh, that was just straight in. It it was it was from pretty far out, right? Like it was he had a clear sighted to bring cat. I, I could understand at the same time though, like you know, it is a guy like Alex Debrinkat, right? Like, I mean, the high end guys of the NHL get paid to do stuff too, and when you put it right where the bar, right where the crossbar and the post meet, I think they said it was eighty six miles an hour from a, a snapshot, yeah, which is ridiculous. insanity to get that much velocity on it. Like to me, and maybe this is the offensive guy. I mean, like to me, sometimes you just kind of tip your hat a little bit on shots like that. Right, like give give the player some credit for beating the goalie clean from distance like that. I I don't think that one was necessarily a a poor goal that that Connor Hellebuck gave up to me. The first one, even though it is Patrick Kane, that's the one you have to stop. Giving up a five hole on the ice like that from distance, that can't happen. But if a guy like Alex DeBrincat or or Austin Matthews comes in with speed and wires one bar down on you, yeah, th- those those are the ones you can live with your goaltender giving up. For sure. Now, one last thing from the game I do want to get to, and it was, hey, I mean, I guess one of the only positives because the Jets didn't do a whole lot. I thought Dylan DeMello was great. Yeah. I, I thought he was probably the, the Jets' best player in the game. You yeah, know? He, was jump, he was jumping in nice, too. Like, he was – I thought he played a really solid game. Yeah, the to me, the the biggest thing he did, and this has always been an area of, of strength for him, but – and this is something a, a young guy like Vili Hainala could learn from him, and hey, even Logan Stanley as well. But Demello's gap control was superb; like it was, re- it was just so well done. He denied so many entries, potential entries from the Chicago forward group. He was, all, I mean, deflecting passes, stepping up at the right moments. You know, aggressive but not reckless. I, I thought that might have been his best game of the season. And hey, you know, with the injury situation with no Neil Pionk, Dylan DeMello getting a chance beside Josh Morrissey. Really good to see him have a bit of a bounce back game. And what's been a, 
an up and down season for Dylan DeMello. You know, the other part of it too is, you know, heading into this, I, I imagine nothing's going to happen at the trade deadline. I could be wrong, I, but I was going to ask you after seeing that Tyler DeFoley trade, you got to think that maybe Chevy's calling around and seeing what teams are thinking about Andrew Kopp. I know DeFoley's got a, a, an extra year on his deal, but there's a lot of teams that could use an Andrew Kopp in the playoffs. And I, and you got to figure out with, with Kopp's agent, what, what his plans are in the off season. If he wants to stay in Winnipeg, and if there's a chance that, hey, maybe we're not totally sure if he wants to commit here long term, maybe it is best to pick up an extra first round. And even if you don't use that first round in the draft, just having that extra asset that you can move for more depth, I think that would be a very major thing. But like you get rid of Andrew Cup, that's just another spot to fill low, too. So it's kind of a double edged sword for the Jets. Yep. First, rude for interrupting me. <laughs> <laughs> Secondly, yeah, no, I, I mean, I think we all know where this is headed with with Cop and the Jets. Like just going to that for a second, you know, Andrew Cop has taken short-term deals. I think specifically with the goal in mind to get to free agency, and now he's a couple months away from doing that. It, it just makes I would be blown away if he signs any length of a deal with the Winnipeg Jets. I, I I just don't see it. He probably ends up going to the Red Wings, but you know, wherever he goes, I think he's just you know chasing the money and you know good for him and and setting himself up for the best possible position to do that. Can the Winnipeg Jets get a first-round pick for Kopp? That's going to be the the big story, I think, heading into the trade deadline for the Winnipeg Jets. The Defo- I'll tell you what, the Toffoli trade helps. <laughs> yeah. Because that was a, a pretty – I mean, Toffoli's a great player, but that was a decent-sized package to give up for a guy like that. So, you know, yes, it, it maybe takes a team like the Flames out of it, but at least you're setting the market for – you know, you're not going to get that same – package for Andrew Cobb but like like you said first round pick would be a huge huge get for the Jets if that's the case even a second and a fourth for example you know just a bit below first round value but not all that far off of it we'll get into potential places and what the price might be you know closer to the trade deadline but there's no doubt that I think we all know where this is kind of headed and you know even though Andrew Cobb brings versatility to the Jets lineup he's probably better better suited as finding a way to add more value and, and more assets than signing him to another long-term deal when it's clear the mix up front isn't working right now for the Winnipeg Jets but back to DeMello and just that seeing him play well the Jets are going to have to make some decisions this offseason and you know I've made the case for a while now that the Jets need to go all in in terms of trying to find that number one stud defenseman via the trade market. Who that is, I don't really know yet. Maybe it's Chikrin. Maybe it's some unknown player like we see each offseason pop up. But the Winnipeg Jets need to try to find that guy. There's a lot of salary tied up in guys like Dylan and Schmidt. And to an extent, DeMello, who entered this season on the third pair on the depth chart. You know, $3 million is a big ticket on the third pair, obviously. You know, the Winnipeg Jets are, are probably going to have to make a move or two potentially on their blue line this offseason in terms of just shipping guys out to create salary cap space. And it very well may come down to either Brendan Dillon or Dylan DeMello because it's going to be hard to move Nate Schmidt's contract. But you might have to choose between having one of those two on the roster. That's going to be an interesting decision that Kevin Chevalier and, and the management group are going to have to make because you got a lefty, you got a righty. You know, Dylan gives you that physical nasty edge that really the rest of the Winnipeg Jets defensive core doesn't have, but 
Dylan DeMello does all the little things right that can kind of go unnoticed if you're not paying super close attention to him. And at $3 million, eh, you wouldn't mind having a guy like that around to, to help fill out and can play on your top second or third pair. And and don't forget, there's still Logan Stanley's still developing too. I mean, if you want a if you want a big mean defenseman, then <laughs> so the only th- here's what I'll say. I, I don't want to sound too harsh on him, and I I've been wrong in the past with guys like Brandon Tanev, who I thought was only going to be an AHL guy, he ends up being a, a legitimate third line, borderline second line guy. I was going to say you better watch what you say right here, Brandon. I <laughs> but I I just don't I don't see. I don't see anything more than third pairing defenseman for Logan Stanley. There's nothing wrong with that, with the way I, I know he's got the first round pick tag and all that, but I mean, that's a sunk cost like that. You're, you're not going to change that no matter what here. I just don't see enough tools for him to be somebody that can play 20 plus minutes a night for the jets, even on just a second pair to, to me, he's going to be a sheltered third pair defenseman who can kill penalties well for you. But maybe even more so to your second point, I don't think he's ever going to play like a guy like Brandon Dillon. Like, I, he just doesn't have a mean streak in him. Yeah. And I think he could be a lot – I'm not even going to say mean and nasty. I think he could be a lot more physical when he's out there on the ice. You don't see a whole lot of hits from Logan Stanley, even though he's he's more than capable of it. But there's there's not really much you can do. Like, some guys have it and some guys don't. And I think <laughs> Logan Stanley's more in the, the gentle giant than somebody that's going to – you know, knock a couple of teeth out when you're out there on the ice, like Brendan Dillon might. But I, I even feel like in the past couple of years before this, that it, Stanley was a bit more physical. And I wonder if maybe because of kind of the revolving door on the Jets' bottom pair this year, if there's kind of like, a, hey, I don't want to be caught out of position chasing a hit, and then I lose my spot in the lineup because I'm trying to land a big hit and I leave a guy open in front. I mean, the same goes for any defenseman when that happens, but when a guy like Stanley, who is, let's face it, he's not hes not out there because he's going to skate like the wind and get back. He's there because he's got a, he's got a huge reach and he's going to clear the front of the net. But, uh, yeah, like you said, you would, on, behind the net and in the corners is kind of where you want to see that physicality turn up a bit. And it kind of, you know, he kind of, he goes after guys, but it's kind of off rushes and, like I mentioned, he has been caught out of position on chasing hits occasionally in the past. I think maybe that could be a reason for a bit of more timid play this season. Uh, I mean, maybe he's still hurt, right? Like, I know he missed yeah. some time earlier, maybe nursing an injury. That that can always factor into it. I just I just don't see it enough from him to think that, that that's going to be something that he can rely on and the, and the Jets can expect. You know, guys like Bufflin, guys like Chara, you know, Chris Pronger in years past, like you go into the corner and you know pain is coming, right? And I, I just don't think there's that same expectation when Logan Stanley's out there on the ice. It's it's something I think it would just be a welcome addition to the Winnipeg Jets. And especially, you know, even in a game like that against Chicago, it's a quiet game, nothing's happening, no energy. Like you're 6'7", just go out there and blast somebody through the boards and maybe something like that is enough to, to kickstart the Jets and then, you know, help pump in a couple of goals off some momentum like that but tough season for logan stanley at the very least though there's some time left and you know it's a tough season for him so far it's nowhere near as good as his initial campaign last year but you know outside of a an iffy game tonight 
Billy Handela has been much more impressive the more games he gets. Maybe the same can happen for Logan Stanley in the last 35 or so. Now, before we go here, Tice, got to look ahead to the upcoming schedule. A big, big matchup coming up, both in terms of, I mean, the standings, all that stuff. But the Minnesota Wild are back in town. And I don't know if Marcus Foligno is going to throw a spinning leg kick or... That was great. That's literally you can't even do that in the UFC. <laughs> I know. I love. I love that you told that to me. Like you literally get ejected in the UFC in the NHL. Eh, two minutes for unsportsmanlike. Um, but that's a big time matchup, and I guarantee you there will not be a you know lack of emotions, a level of flatness for the Winnipeg Jets against the Minnesota Wild, but. What are you expecting in the next game for the Winnipeg Jets when they take on Minnesota? I don't know. If, did you see what Jordan Greenway said after Minnesota's game tonight? No, I didn't. Yeah, he said that, you know what, the Winnipeg Jets were coming for you and you, and you better get ready for one. So they're uh, the Minnesota Wild are looking forward to one here. But, hey, this could this could be a huge turning point in the season, too, for a Jets. Just a game like this where it's just an absolute bar fight and – they come out on top and they just band together and eke out like a four, three win and just a crazy, like four fights. There's scrums after every whistle and they come out on top. I, that could be a huge turnaround in the season that could really galvanize the troops. And who knows, maybe they go on a run after that, but yeah. have you ever, have you ever been in a bar fight? Uh, no. Yeah. No, you're, you're too much of a pretty boy to have been in a bar fight. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, Normally, I would say you're right, but that's what the last game against Minnesota should have been. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I, I mean, maybe it's just the loss against Chicago. You know, it's like pessimistic mode and things like that. But it's kind of just like, yeah, it, it should be and it could be. But I, I just don't expect it from the Jets. I'm just more intrigued to to watch it from an entertainment standpoint, yeah. in, in all honesty. Gonna it's going to be a hell of a game. Like, that. <laughs> Minnesota is a lot more fun to watch. I think if you're doing the whole, you know, while they're boring, paint dry and all that, you haven't watched a lot of Minnesota hockey. And they showed it in that game against Detroit, putting up a, a touchdown against the Red Wings yeah. for a big win for them. But this is, maybe you're right, right? Like, hey, maybe you win a 6-5 barn burner and Adam Lowry gets in a few more fights somehow and Logan Stanley comes out of nowhere and drops a vicious elbow. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, just, yeah, yeah. Something, cra- something crazy happens. And we look back and say, this was the moment that defined the season. I, I have my doubts on that. But, hey, maybe for one night at least, Winnipeg Jets fans can enjoy taking it to what, what might end up being their biggest rival moving forward. That the, the Jets still don't have, I think that no doubt about it, hated rival. Thought it might be the Predators a few seasons ago. But maybe it, it finally after... Over a decade, the Minnesota Wild and the Winnipeg Jets might finally have their own heated rivalry, which would be, I think, good for, I mean, good for business, but, you know, just good from a fan perspective for the next couple of years, for sure. You got to have someone to hate. Like, you got to have someone that you just just can't stand. I think right now you're looking at it's either Minnesota or Calgary, right? I mean, with the Jets. Yeah. I Jets. hope it's Minnesota. Like, I, I, I really, I, I just think it's great. Sports, yeah. sports hate is good. Like yeah. you need a little bit of sports hate in your life, and I think I think the Winnipeg Jets are going to find a, a willing participant. Yeah, keep you balanced. It keeps yeah. you grounded. I, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of downside to sports hate. And that's not just coming from 
a couple of guys that have been groomed in the in the Philadelphia style of uh, cheering on teams. I, I think sports day could be all right, especially in a season like this for the Jets. Uh, but that's going to do it for this episode. Tyson, thank you so much for stopping by. Appreciate it. And we'll have to have you on a few more times uh, during the stretch run here. And, you know, hopefully talk about some some positive for the Winnipeg Jets. But we'll have you on for a few more times as the rest of the season goes on. And I think for sure we'll get together to do a little trade deadline special as well. How about that? That's perfect. Can't, can't wait for that. That's it. Deadline's going to be crazy this year. There's so many big names. I'm so excited for it. Beauty. All right. Well, there's Tyson Rewicki, soon to be graduate of broadcasting, actually doing some work at CJOB as well right now. But thanks a lot for Tyson for stopping by. We'll be back at it coming to you guys on Friday morning. Another jam-packed show. We got a big-time game against the Wild, a game against the Kraken coming up as well. And on top of all that, it's been a bit of a delay, but we finally got another food interview coming for you guys on Friday morning. Chef Louie, kind enough to stop by and talk to me. He's the head chef at Aroma Bistro, a new location potentially coming up as well. We'll talk about that. And I think the best wontons you'll have in the city. Maybe there's some wonton aficionados out there that say I'm wrong, but Aroma Bistro does them right, and we'll find out some of the secrets behind some of the great food that they're making as well. But until then, thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Verwicki. We're back at it on Friday. Until then, stay safe, everybody. Peace.